Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, praise the Lord. Glad to be here. Well, good. This week we're going to talk about being sober and being vigilant. Being sober and being vigilant. That's found in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. And last four weeks we've been talking about praying for four weeks. And you may ask sometimes, why are we in the same thing for four weeks? Talk about healing. I think I was in that for six weeks. It's, uh, it's labor in the Word. In other words, it, sometimes it takes a while to get it. Sometimes it takes years to get it. Because I've preached messages before and then a year later or even two years later be preaching on the same thing and somebody come up to me and say something about it like they've never heard it before a day in their life. And I thought, I preached on it several times and you were there. You, did, you heard it, but you just didn't hear it. It went in one ear and it went out the other. It didn't go in the ear and penetrate down in here and, and get in these ears because there's a difference. Amen? So that's why we stay in things for a while so we can get it. That's why you go to school for 12 years so you can get it. And uh, I hope we're getting it. I think we're getting it. I think we're growing. So First Peter chapter 5. I'm just going to go through this. I read this this week and thought on it and prayed on it and looked some things up and studied some different things and we're just going to go through it right here. So First Peter the 5th chapter the 5th verse says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all you care upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are expected by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He's going to perfect you. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. And he's going to settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. So we're going to go back up here to the beginning to the fifth verse. Likewise, you younger people, he's talking about being submissive to one another. And be, it says, uh, all of you be submissive to one another. All of you be submissive to one another. So there is a scripture in the Bible that says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And it's a lot of men like to throw that around, tell their wives to be submissive to him. Well, this scripture says, be submissive all to one another. Now, I do have that scripture on my refrigerator, wives be submissive to your husband. That's a good one, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we need to submit one to another. And one way you can do that, one way I do that is at work. I'm talking about I don't care if we have a greenhorn in there that don't, he doesn't know a single thing. I mean nothing. I, I mean, you, sometimes you wonder how they even got there. Seriously. But uh, when we're working, and I'll, I, I say, what do you think about that? Well, how do you think this looks? Because people can see stuff you don't see. They can have a different point of view, and they can see something you don't see. I always do that. I ask my guys, especially my main guys, what do you think about this? I think we should do it this way. And they say, well, we could do it that way, but that might lead to this. And I'll be like, mm, I'm glad I asked you. I'm glad we're submissive to one another here. We're working together. Uh, instead of trying to lower it over 
And so uh, just know that. The other people have a different point of view and don't age. Hey, the Lord can speak. Hey, y'all quit chit-chatting over there and hush up. That's my mother. I do, you know, it's a reverse role. I'm like the son and the dad. It's been like that since I was 12. Be, be submissive to one another. Um, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in the sixth verse, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Humble uh, is, is, is being meek. Meekness. And the Bible says Moses was the meekest of all. Moses was. He was the meekest of all. But you know, he wasn't in the beginning. In the beginning, uh, he, he, of course, he was supposed to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, which he did. But in the beginning, he tried to do it one Egyptian at a time. In other words, in the beginning, Moses says, look who I am. But then he fled out into the desert and he's out there for 40 years. And all of a sudden, look who you are. Yeah, who are you? Because all the fancy clothes and the rings and the education aren't doing you any good out here tending Jethro's sheep. So in 40 years, he went from look who I am to who am I? And God spoke to him in the bush and he said, I can't do that because I'm a stutterer. In other words, he went from I can do it, look who I am, to I can't do it. I don't know who I am. In other words, it's meekness. I need you. I can't do it without you. I'm a stutterer. I don't even know who I am. I'm lost without you. I need you. It's a transition that takes place. It's called being humble and being meek. That's not a bad thing. If you say you're being meek, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know what that's saying? If somebody says you're meek, yeah, I am. Take it. Receive it. That means I'm not relying on me. I'm relying on Him. It's not a cut down. It's a compliment. Amen. He says, cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Cast all your care. And I think Christians get into this mindset of He, he, just, he, he only cares about uh, the things that are going on at church or just certain things. You know, but He don't care about that. He doesn't care about the four ball tires on my minivan. I ain't got money to buy new ones. He does care about that. He says, cast my care on you, for I care, I care for you. That means if you care about it, He cares about it. Is it a care to you? It's a care to Him. No different than your child. If your child comes home from school and they're crying and they're upset or they got a problem, it's something they care about and they, they present it to the mom or the dad. Do you care about it? Of course. It may seem so little and insignificant on the inside. You're laughing thinking, that's no big deal, honey. You're going to forget about that by next year. But do we tell them that? No, we care. Because you know why? Because they care. How much more does our Heavenly Father care about us? He cares. You know, uh, I was sitting at the Papa Rocco's eating some pizza one day this week. <clears throat> and uh, I had a he cares for me moment, honestly, because I had two of them this week, actually. But I'm sitting there and I, I told Jackie, I said, I said, you know, I said, this arm, I said, it's feeling better today than I moved it around. I said, it's feeling better today than it has the whole time. I said, just like, bam, today it's like feeling good, feeling better. I mean, I wasn't doing burpees or nothing, you know what I'm saying? But it was feeling better, just feeling better, moving a little better, not hurting as bad. And I'm telling you, I didn't even tell her this. I was waiting until today. But moments later, moments later, I got a text. I pulled out 
Glenn texted me and said, Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying about your elbow. And I was just like, Whew. I just told her my elbow was feeling a lot better. Because <clears throat> he cares. See, he cares. And another thing happened. Um, can I tell the story about the beach and the sun and all that? I can't. Good. So Jackie's on the beach. And she's by herself because I like to stay in hibernation most of the time when we're there. In the air condition, I'll be honest, the beach is something I don't understand the attraction. Why in the world do we pay all the money to go down and sit out under the blazing hot sun in the sand that gets all, you know, in places it ought not be? And then get in the ocean, oh no, it's a flesh-eating bacteria and shark too. And then get in the pool and there's a bunch of people in there and you know they've all been peeing in the pool and it's just like... I mean, have they shocked this thing lately? But then you get to go out to eat and it's all worth it, right? <laughs> anyway, Jackie's out on the beach. Don't let me get sidetracked. She's out on the beach and she said it had been, it had been two years since her, her uh, mom had gone home to be with the Lord, right? And she said, she just said, Lord, what's my mama doing today? Just like that. <clears throat> because that was a care of hers. And, I'm, and minutes later, I walk out, like I said, out of hibernation. And I said, my exact words, maybe pastors shouldn't talk like this, I don't know. But I said, holy crap, check that out. And I'm telling you something I've never seen in my entire life. But this was a perfect rainbow in a circle around the sun. Because he cares. You know, it's like he's saying... She's having a good day today. Have you ever seen a rainbow around the sun? I haven't either. I tried to take a picture of it. The sun's so bright it wouldn't even show it. But I took several in trying, in trying to do that. But he cares. He cares about the little things. The mundane things that you think it's not a big deal. He cares about it. He cares about your kid that needs some baby or gel on her, his or her teeth because her teeth are coming in crying all night and you ain't slept none. You got to go to work. He cares. He cares. He cares about these things. So it says, cast your care upon Him, for He cares. Amen? Now we're getting into the meat of the sermon right here. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. To be sober. Well, to be serious. To be in self-control. And many people will read that scripture and say, sober, well, don't be drinking. Well, obviously... It's, it's, it's common sense. If you are drinking, you're, you're not going to be sober. And um, you're not going to be serious. And you're not going to be in self-control. Because any time I've ever done it, I wasn't serious at all. I actually acted like a complete idiot. Was I in control? No, not really. You should have you, you been there. But it's, it's bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. That's just common sense right there. I mean, who's going to go get drunk and go make a business deal? We're going to go sit down and make a big, life-changing, uh, big, huge business deal or go make a deal on buying some land or a house. Let's go get tanked up before we go do it. Who's going to do that? Well, no. Of course not. Like I said, that's common sense. But it's just being serious. Being serious about things. In other words, you can have a, a, a lackadaisical, if that's how you say the word, attitude, and say, well, it'll just come out in the wash. It'll everything be odd. It'll just come out in the wash. No. You need to guard your family. You need to be sober 
You need to be paying attention. You need to be vigilant. You need to have a guard up for your family. We guard our family. People tell me all the time, you have such a wonderful family and, 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 and you know, just, just a wonderful family. Yeah, I, I do have a wonderful family. I guarantee it, I do. You know why? It's because me and Jackie's been sober and we've been vigilant. We're still sober and we're still vigilant. I don't let just anybody come in and out. I don't let my kids just go here and there. I'm sober. I'm paying attention. This is serious. It is serious business. Um, because Satan is out there like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. See, I'm not going to let the devil get my kids. I'm not going to let the devil get my wife. I'm not going to let the devil get my home. I'm not going to let the devil get my finances. And you can just say, that, hey, devil, you ain't getting my kids. You ain't getting my home. You're not getting my health. You're not get, you ain't going to devour me. You're not going to do it. I'm not coming to hell to spend eternity with you. No, it's not going to happen. Why? Because I'm sober and I'm vigilant and I've got my guard up. Amen. So I'm not going to force church on my kids. I'm just going to let them decide what they want to do. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You've got to be sober and you've got to be vigilant. I'm not talking about when they're 13 or 14. When they're 13 or 14, they don't have a choice. You come into church because you're 13 or 14. But we think once we get the kids raised, you know, they're raised, they're 18, 19, 20. Now they're old enough to make their own decisions. That's when it's the most dangerous because they think they know something, but they really don't. Think about yourself when you're 20. I'm talking to you 40, 50, and 60-year-olds. You thought you knew something. I sure did. Boy, the mistakes I made. But when I'm 60, uh, when I'm 84... Mackenzie will be 60 and the boys will be 55. And you can guarantee if I don't see them here in the church or know for a fact that they're in church, daddy's going to call them and go, hey, you go to church today? You know why? Because I'm going to be sober and vigilant until I go to heaven. Because they're my kids. They'll always be my kids. They'll always be their daddy. Did you go to church today? You did? What they preach about? And if I don't believe it, I'll go get online. I'll look the sermon up to make sure they tell me the truth. I'll call the pastor. Me and him will be buddies. I'll get his number. I'll text him. I'll say, what are you preaching on today? They ain't slipping through the cracks. I'm going to be sober and I'm going to be vigilant. You know why? I want my kids to be sober and be vigilant. You know why? Because I want my grandkids to be sober and be vigilant. You know why? Because I want my great-grandkids to be sober and be vigilant. Because there's a roaring lion out there seeking who he may desire. And you can't let your guard down. You can't let your guard down. You know, uh, kids see through hypocrisy, so it's kind of like this. You need to live it in front of them. They need to see you being sober. They need to see you being vigilant. They need to see you on guard. They need to see you taking things serious and not taking it lightly and just laying on the couch and saying, Sarah, Sarah, whatever it'll be, it'll be. And a point to that is this. Uh, they come home and they got in trouble for telling a lie or they have exaggerated the truth and you punish them. And then the next day somebody calls and you say, answer the phone and tell them I'm not here. That's a lie. You are there. Kids see through hypocrisy. Another way you can talk about being sober and taking things serious is there's things that you can be entertained by and there's things that you can be in bondage to. 
There's absolutely nothing wrong with sitting down with your friends, your family, and watching the ball game. That's entertainment. But there are people that are in bondage to the ball game. They're in bondage to it. There's nothing wrong with getting on the computer. There's people that are in bondage to the computer. There's nothing wrong with playing a video game. There's people that are in bondage to a video game. There's nothing wrong with smoking a doobie. Oh, wait a second. No. I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. Just making sure you're alive and awake up there. (laughs) Y'all are awake. Y'all are awake. But you understand what I'm saying. You can be entertained by it or you can be in bondage to it. You got to be sober. You got to be vigilant, watchful. If you're watchful, you're looking after your vineyard. Little foxes spoil the vineyard. You got to be on watch. You got to be looking after your vineyard. It's a. Uh, it, it's it's hard for good people. I've under, I've realized this. It's hard for good people to understand evil people. And I think in my lifetime, the the people that have a hard time understanding evil people that this much evil actually exists in the world, uh, our eyes were open on 9-11. And we saw a different kind of uh, evil that I've never seen in my lifetime. I know there's some older people here that that have probably seen evil, but I'm talking about in my lifetime. I'm 44. 9-11's eye-opener to realizing what kind of evil, what kind of evilness is out there. But Peter, right here, he understood this principle. And you know, the, the Satan's out there. It says here, he walks around, he's prowling around, some translations say, the adversary, he's your adversary, prowling around like a roaring lion. Well, let me just go and tell you, he's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan just goes out and pretends like he's a roaring lion, but he's nothing. He is nothing. He, that's all he's got is a little growl, but there ain't no bite to it. You know, all bark, no bite. You know what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm a nice person. You know, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't think Satan's out to get me. He is out to get you. The Bible plainly says he's your adversary. That means he's vowed to destroy you. And ignoring the fact that he's your adversary and he's out seeking whom he may devour and that you need to be sober and vigilant, ignoring that doesn't make it any less real because it's very real. He's out prying, prowling around, uh, waiting. And in the first John, I mean in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. That's your adversary. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come, that's Jesus, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Don't give Satan, don't don't give Jesus, don't give God the credit for the work of the enemy. The enemy, it plainly says, he's come to steal, he's come to kill, he's come to destroy, he's come to devour you. That's his job. That's what he does. That's what he's vowed to do. Every day he's prowling around like a roaring lion, looking to steal, looking to kill, looking to destroy, looking for a life to devour. But many times people lose things, uh, people die, things are destroyed, but then we say, why'd God do that? Well, God, why'd you do that? Well, God did that. Well, I just don't get it. Well, you never know what God's going to do. They need to read this scripture right here. Because it plainly says that Jesus came to give me life. Not only life, but abundant life. But Satan is the thief. He's your adversary. Don't give God the credit for what Satan does. But he prowls around waiting 
looking for an opportunity. And this scripture right here, John 10, verse 10, tells us that he's active. He's very active. And he's uh, looking for someone. So, as far as sin's concerned, now, um, you can't go into the enemy's camp and, and think it won't hurt you. He's the enemy. He's the adversary. You're living this life. Don't think that you can't step over here into the worldly things, go into his camp, and it won't affect you. It says he's looking for somebody to devour. It doesn't say he's looking for somebody to snack on or somebody to take a lick of. He don't want to lick on you. He don't want to snack on you. He wants to devour you. I mean, I'm just making it real simple and plain to understand. He's a lion. He don't want to just give you a little lick. He don't want to just take a nibble out of the back of your leg. He wants to kill you. He wants to devour you. That's why you got to stay out of the enemy's camp. You think about commercials on TV. Let's just use drinking for example. They show commercials about drinking. They've got young people on there, girls on the beaches in bikinis that have nice figures. They have men out there wearing shorts that are, you know, built like me. You know what I'm saying? No, tanned up, nice figures, and they're woo, and they're out there and they're partying on the beach and they're drinking it up. That's what Satan uses for advertisement. What he ought to do, this will be good advertisement. Find somebody that's been drinking since they were a teenager and find them when they're about 70, 60, 50 even. And show a picture of them on the beach. Road hard, put up wet, looking good. Lord, what's happened to you? That's bad advertisement for Satan. That's why he don't use that. As a, that's, that's real. See, there's always a lie. He's a liar. He's a thief. He wants to come to kill, steal, and destroy. I think about the people I know that have been drinking their whole entire life. They look horrible. I, I think about a woman I know that used to be pretty. And she uh, decided she was just going to go out and just party it up. And she's been drinking and smoking and partying for years. And now she looks 10 years older than she really is. Satan don't show you that. Let me tell you something. Satan can't devour you. He can't devour you. He might want to come devour you. But like I said, Satan, you're not going to devour me. And you're not going to devour my kids. You know why? Because I'm not ignorant of the Word. The only way He can devour you is if you're ignorant of the Word. There's a lot of geniuses that are ignorant of the Word. In other words, you can graduate at a college, you can have three or four degrees, you can know how to do calculus and make straight A's, but not know the Word and be ignorant of the Word. If you're not ignorant of the Word, He can't devour you. It's important to be educated on the Word of God. To know what belongs to you. To know what's yours. To know that He's out there prowling around trying to attack you and that you need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. You you need to take this thing serious. That's not talking about praying. It's serious. You need to pray. You need to stay in prayer. How long? Until 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 you get to heaven. Keep praying. How long do I stand in the Word? Till the last breath you take. Keep standing on it. You can know the Word also and not apply it. You can know the Word and not apply it. Because I know the Word and sometimes I don't apply it. Sometimes something happens and I say, Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Then I 
Oh, wait a second. Hold up. I'm a righteous. I'm the righteousness of God. He can't devour me. And then pray, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't try every medicine in the cabinet. We don't call all the doctors and nurses. Well, we're going to go ahead and pray. Now it's 1 o'clock in the morning. You got to apply the word. Apply the word. Apply the word. One thing helps you to understand lines, and Peter understood lines. I looked that up. There were lines then. There were lines, bears, all kind of animals. And, uh, and, and he understood lines. That's why he used lines right here in the scripture, letting us know um, that Satan's prowling around like a lion. And uh, lions are mainly creatures of the night, of the darkness. That's when they do their hunting. That's when they do their killing. They like to lay around in the shade all day and relax. Now, they do get out and hunt some during the day, I guess, when they get real hungry. But they are creatures of the night. They're nocturnal. And um, I was reading up on this, and a man said he went, I think, out to Africa. And he went out on a little tour or whatever, got to see the animals. And he came back to the camp, and there's several camps. And about 100 yards away was the dining hall. And they dropped, the, the guard dropped him off. He said, now listen, this camp is ours during the day. This camp is ours during the day. But during the night, the animals is their camp. Do not come outside this door until an armed guard will come and get you and take you to dinner. Do not go outside the door. This might have been your camp in the day, but it's their camp at night. And he said that the guard never came and 20 minutes, 30 minutes go by. And he's like, I'm fixing to just walk to the dining hall right now. I can see it. It's less than 100 yards away. I know I can make it. And his wife said, you shut the door right now. You're not going out there. And he said, I think I can do it. Come on, we can make it. And she finally put her foot down and said, you're not going to do it. So he said he was mad as all get out because he was hangry. You ever been hangry? It's when you're hungry and it makes you angry. And you get hangry. I do that. Feed me, and I'm, I'm back to nice again. But he was hangry. He hadn't had anything to eat all day. And he's ready to go eat. Anyway, the guard knocks on the door, says, I'm here, sorry I'm late, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't come up to the door because there was a leopard in the bush right by your door just waiting. And the guy said, he turned white as a sheet, turned to his wife and said, I'm an idiot. In other words, things changed. It was dark. And uh, he didn't need to go outside because there's danger in the darkness, amen? But Ephesians, the 5th chapter, the 8th verse says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. See, you're safe in the light of God's Word. You're safe in the light of God's truth, which is His Word. But when you wander out into the darkness, there's an adversary prowling around, just waiting. And we don't see lions every day. We, we probably, only time most of us has ever seen them is in the zoo. I've seen one mountain lion in the wild and it was just for a split second. But you've seen a cat. Those cats get in the bushes, I mean in the grass, and they get down and they just barely go. They're just prowling. You'll see them. They're just honed in. They're just focused. They won't even flinch. I mean for like 15, 20 minutes and you're watching them. And the next thing you know, they're just waiting on an opportunity for somebody to walk out into the darkness. They're just waiting on a little mousey to hop out or the bird or the lizard or whatever they're after. But they're just patiently waiting. They're just prowling. Satan, it, it, it's the big lion, the big cat. That's why Peter uses this example. He's just lying there waiting, prowling. You can't go up in the enemy's camp and think you're not going to get devoured. 
just don't wander away. And this man said, uh, this other man said, they were out there in the Jeep. And I'm using this as example so we can understand a little more about uh, what Peter was saying. But um, he said, they're out there in the Jeep, and there's a bunch of them in this Jeep, and there's no glass, there's no doors, there's nothing. There's a roll cage, and that's all. And it's full of people. And they said they, they were just driving, there's just lines everywhere. And that the lines actually come up, and you know how cats run, rub down your leg or down the couch? Uh, that the lines were rubbed down the side of this Jeep. And he said he's sitting there looking eye to eye, and he's absolutely terrified. He said he was uh, making, ask, uh, asking them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He's preaching to them. He said he was terrified. And he said and after they went through, he asked the guide, he said, how come they didn't just kill us? He said, because as long as you are all together in this Jeep, all one inside the Jeep, they can't isolate. There's no isolated silhouette. They just see you as one large animal and you're way too big for them. They don't like the way you look. They don't like the size of it. They don't like the smell of it. And I thought that was interesting because as long as you stay in fellowship, as long as you stay in Christ, that's how the adversary sees you as well. And he don't like the way you look. He don't like the way you, you, you smell. But as soon as you get out of fellowship... And you become isolated. There was a, a Japanese couple there, and they had been there, they said, a week and a half, and the man was a photographer, and he wanted to get all these pictures. So he'd been taking pictures. And after a week and a half went by, he got a little comfortable, a little too comfortable. He got a little complacent. He let his guard down. He wasn't sober. He wasn't vigilant. It's him, his wife, and his three children. He decides to hop out of the Jeep to get a better picture. As soon as he hopped out of the Jeep, then all of a sudden now there's an isolated silhouette. They all attacked him, killed him, and ate him right in front of his family. And I thought, man, that's the same thing as, as Christians. Satan's looking for an isolated silhouette. He's looking for somebody to step out of fellowship with the body of Christ. He's looking for somebody to step out of fellowship with the Lord and go out into the darkness. He's looking for somebody to devour. Hey, Amen. you got to stay in the Jeep. The man said that as they would drive around during the day that these lines, that the Jeep's going this direction and there's a bunch of buffalo, Cape buffalo over here, other type of animals, and the line would hide behind the Jeep and walk beside it. And as soon as they would clear, the, the line would jump out, trying to get them to scatter, trying to get one to run off by itself like a little one or something, once again, to get one isolated. But he's trying to jump out basically to create panic. And when Satan does create panic, he does get you out of fellowship. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get an isolated silhouette to create panic so he can attack. I talked to a little fellow yesterday that said he's having these feelings. And he said, uh, and this is a young man. And he said, I just want to run and, and run way off and be by myself. See, there's, different, there's four corners in the boxing ring, and I explained it to him. And one of those corners is running off and being by yourself. When Satan gets you over there by yourself, that's when he's going to attack. You understand? That makes sense to you? That's the way the lines work. And the last thing, it said lines are territorial. The lines are territorial. Um... Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents, on scorpions, 
over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Lines are territorial, but God wants you to be territorial. He wants you to expand your territory. He wants you to expand the kingdom of God. And these lines, uh, another story I read, it was, it's pretty amazing. They said this, this, uh, this huge elephant comes out and they're terrified because they're on foot and the guy just slaps his hands together and the elephant stops and he starts making some noise and he slaps his hand together again and then the elephant just ran off and they said, what in the world? I mean, that is amazing. He said, yeah, the elephant sees us as a, as a super predator because we're walking on two legs. And he, he knows his place out here and he knows our place. And I was thinking to myself, Satan knows his place too. Problem is, most Christians don't know their place in the kingdom. They don't know this authority that they've been given. They don't know they can just slap their hand and say, get out of here. That's all Adam had to do. Amen? Genesis 9, the second chapter. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, and on all uh, that move on the earth, and all the fish of the sea that are given in your hand. That just, that just further uh, explains what I was saying. What I was saying is Satan knows who he is. The problem is Christians don't, as Christians, many Christians don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what belongs to them. And Satan wants to keep you from the territory that Jesus provided for us 2,000 years ago. Amen? And in the ninth verse, the last verse here, or it isn't the last one, but towards the end here in First Peter, it says, Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not the only one going through it. I know it seems rough and I know it seems tough, but somebody else is going through the same thing. Somebody's probably going through it worse than you are. And God has called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And after you suffered a while, in other words, there's sufferings here on earth. But these sufferings are shaping you, molding you, perfecting you, getting you established, strengthened, and settling you. You know what? I look back over all the mistakes I've made in my life and all the, all the things I've been through and how God's used each and every one of them to shape me and mold me into what I am today. It might not be much to you, but it's what I am today. That's what shaped me and molds mold you and makes you who you are. I mean, can anybody in here say all the good things that happened to me in my life, all the easy roads I went down, boy, that really made me who I am. No, it's the battles. And the battle's not over. The battle's every day. That's why we've got to be sober and we've got to be vigilant. And right here, we've got to resist Him steadfast in the faith. We've got to resist Him. How do you resist Him? You resist Him with the Word of God. You resist Him with the Word of God. We've got to be sober. We've got to be vigilant. And we're going to resist Him with the Word of God. Use some Scripture on Him. This is your offensive weapon. Steadfast. We can get right here in Psalms. Um, if I can get the one I want here, there's a lot of them. But you can, you can get into your Word. You can get into your Bible. How do you steadfast? How do you stay uh, steadfast in the faith? Through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. I just feel led to read a few right here.
being sober. This is serious business. I'm not going to be laying on the couch eating a honey bun when there's work to be done. I'm taking this thing serious. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm looking because I know Satan's prowling. He's wanting to attack me. He's wanting to attack my family. I'm not going to let him devour me. I'm going to stand on this word and use this word against him. Amen. Psalms, the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of the righteousness for His name's sake. Yo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that one. You don't have to fight your enemies. He's going to prepare a table in the presence. They're going to have to watch you eat filet mignon. And they're going to be eating sardines. That's what it means. I'm going to, he's going to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just scriptures like this. You can just open your Bible. You can get in Psalms. You can get in Proverbs. You can get in the New Testament. You just start reading, quoting scriptures, reminding Satan of who you are and the territory that you've been given. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Nobody. Because if He be for me, who can be against me? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Nobody. He's your strength. He's your strong tower. When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in time of trouble, He shall hide me in the pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I love reading these. It just changes the atmosphere when you read God's Word. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who trusts in Him. The righteousness cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a crushed spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. Y'all see where I'm going? Why is he not going to devour me? Because of this word, I'm going to use this word. I'm not going to walk around with a blindfold on. I'm going to be vigilant. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That should excite you. It should get you fired up. 
These are promises that belong to you and I. See, let me just make it real plain to you. Here's how I talk to Satan. I don't talk to him and use big words. In fact, when I write his name on a piece of paper, I do lowercase. I will not capitalize Satan, anything to do with Satan, the word hell, Hades, any of that, lowercase. I give him nothing. See, what you're doing when you're reading this scripture to Satan, what you're doing is you're saying, Hey, Satan, up yours. But you never heard a preacher say that before. You ought to try it sometime. Feels pretty good. He don't like it. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Praise the Lord. He's your very present help in times of trouble. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit righteous to be moved. The righteous to be moved. close with this scripture right here. I want to read it. Y'all know it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a place you want to stay. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Don't go into the enemy's camp. Stay right there under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. Just like a mother eagle spreading her wings protecting her little eaglets from the storm. God's got you right there protecting you. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near your dwelling. You need to say that all the time about your children. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but ain't none of that going to come near our dwelling right here in this house. Up on my kids, on my family, on my mama, on my daddy. That ain't not going to happen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm sober. I'm vigilant. I'm standing on the Word of God. Only with your eyes shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give angels charge over you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Put your angels around my family as we go on this trip, as they go to school today, as they go to work today, that no evil, no plague will come against them. Lord, put your angels around them. Put your angels around my kids. Satan, you're not going to devour my kids. You got to talk like that. Because he's giving you territory.
In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion. The lion. The lion. What we were just talking about. And the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. It's real easy to get in that word. Stand on that word. These are all promises that belong to you and me. That's why it's talking about being steadfast in the faith, being sober, being vigilant. This ain't no game. Families are torn apart each and every day. I see it. Divorces. Kids going this way. Kids going that way. People walk around sick and they don't know anything about the Word of God. Satan is a, comes as a roaring lion seeking somebody he can devour. Don't think you're above it. Don't think, don't think that he's not lying, waiting at your front door. Just waiting for you to walk out into the dark. Just waiting for you to quit praying. Just wait for you to quit reading the Word. Just wait for you to quit going to church. Just wait for you to lay in the bed and sleep every Sunday. He's just waiting. Don't think He's not. Oh, it don't matter. If I skip, I ain't got to read the Word every day. I ain't got to pray every day. I don't have to go to church. I mean, the Scripture about not forsaking the assembling together of the body of Christ, does that really apply to me today? Why, yeah, it does. He's out there. He's just waiting to open the door and step out in the darkness and then, thank you Jesus thank you Lord Thank you that we've got authority over Satan, over the principalities, the darkness, evil spirits, demons. We've got authority. Thank you for that. Thank you for the authority that was given to us when we use the name of Jesus. When we use the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. The lion has to flee. We've got territory, we've got rights. He's got nothing. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the words that you spoke to us today so that our eyes can be open, so we can see things for what they really are, not walk around with a blindfold on. Father, we'll be sober. We'll be watchful. We'll take this thing serious. We'll be steadfast in your word. Father, we'll be humble. We'll be meek. We'll be the men and the women, the sons and the daughters that you've called us to be. We're going to stand on your word. And Father, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. It's in Christ's name we pray this morning. Amen and amen. Well, amen. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 